Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Vib. And I'm Sean. Neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. And before we move on, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. As a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous points in last week's episode. No, um, you'll keeping, remember. You're keeping a tradition, really. Well, I was, I, was, I was about to say, people will remember from last time that we apologised for our lack of good uh, tinfoil or tinfoil-worthy statements, but boy, did we fix that last week. And right uh, sort of in the nick of time as well, because I thought we were actually fairly sensible for most yeah. of it. And then I just came out of left field. I think, you know what? I think that, well, I don't think I'm right about this, but so I'm receiving tinfoil for the statement that the Englishman or the British man in Demon Reach is Hercules. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm receiving it for the theory so oh, much are. as... Well, I thought it was the level of certainty with which I said it. I sort of snapped my fingers and declared the matter closed. You did, but, but I almost rate that. You know, if you're going to be crazy, at least back your craziness. I do, I do back that craziness. It's, but it's, it is the fact that it just came out of absolutely nowhere, and you said it was such certainty. I was like, okay, well, you know, sure. <laughs> but was... no, you're very wrong, and so you you wholeheartedly deserved tinfoil for this. Fair enough. That was a good episode. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where it came from. Yeah. Stroke of genius, I think. Flash of inspiration. Didn't we say Heracles? That I would have bought. Oh, piss off. <laughs> no, it was a good episode. Um, do we have any feedback for it? Um, a little. So I was chatting after the episode launched with Ellie, um, who had some interesting theories. She quite liked your suggestion that Merlin is essentially just a battery powering Demon Reach. She thought that had good good legs but then she said something quite interesting which i absolutely hated and had to share with you her her theory was that at some point harry and merlin will have to swap places assuming merlin is the englishman harry and merlin will have to swap places and harry will find himself imprisoned in demon reach so that merlin can go out and about and wizard it up which as she pointed out would be awful because harry is the point of view character (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you just I mean, have a... thank, thanks Ellie for agreeing with my points I always rate that and you're a very smart person so I, I actually you know I'm on board with that but that what Harry and Merlin trading places yeah no. someone needs to keep it someone needs to keep Demon Reach going so the only way to get Merlin out is to put Harry in so that Merlin can fix the thing that needs fixing and then uh, Harry Oh, go on. Mirror, mirror is all in Harry's head because he's locked in Demon Reach while Merlin does his thing. I hate that so much. I know, isn't it great? It's, it's. I hate that so much, and the main reason that I hate it is I can absolutely see that. That would be a quite a butcher thing to do, in my opinion. <laughs> or not, not even in Harry's head, because we know that Demon Reach can sort of create different types of uh, prison. Right, so, yeah, Tom, exactly. so it's just one of the forms of, of torture is seeing the alternative way that your life could have gone had you made choices differently. Oh god, this is actually quite good, isn't it? It's oh, I'm a genius. I'm not sure I'd go that far. It's it's the sort of lame hack writing that I would expect <laughs> from fan fiction. Yes, that's exactly my wheelhouse. <laughs> right. 
Any any other feedback? Um, well, uh, too much to mention in some ways. Um, shout out to our Discord because even oh, though yeah, it's I've... still a very small community, it's it's actually very active at the moment. Uh, yeah. People giving real in depth, um, starting with end up discussions, and they're great. So please come join us. Yes, no, they they are they are great. I have um, tried very hard not to be grumpy with people in there, and I think you've failed on every single front. <laughs> I yelled at Otter quite badly, didn't I? You did. I feel you should you should apologise to him at some point. That sounds like something that's not going to happen. Uh, no, it really doesn't, does it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to come and watch me yell at a small child, <laughs> join our Discord wow. server. <laughs> okay then. Well, um, moving on. <laughs> sure. So, turning to the matter at hand today, we're talk- tackling what is sadly a very very thorny topic with our characteristic charm panache and wit oh no we'll be looking at some trends in tabletop role-playing games some of which i think are starting to seep out into other media most notably video games and asking ourselves what happened how did we come to be here is it a problem and if so how do we fix it i can tell that this is serious because You've rehearsed this, haven't you? Yeah, this this this, this uh, is this yeah, is a I pre-prepared see. segment. Uh, I sadly, sadly, not in the vein of my fantastic hot takes, which are con- entirely scripted. I have I have a small script, and then we're we're going off piece and off the rails. Um, unfortunately, multi-talented though my co-host is, the applicability wow. of what may well be a wider problem to tabletop role-playing games is very much my balawick, not his. So I'm going to attempt to frame the problem as tightly and succinctly as possible, then throw it open to a wider discussion. No, I really, really am going to try to be brief here. Sure. Try. Now, lastly, a disclaimer that really shouldn't be necessary, but such is the world. We may, as we meander, encroach upon sensitive topics, topics like race or class. We will handle these with as much tact and respect as we are able to. So we ask that you please treat any missteps as they are, unintentional mistakes born of a good faith attempt to understand the world with nothing more sinister than that. I, I sort of think that's the problem, like at a really, really high level. And, and it's not actually the problem I'm coming to talk about, but isn't, that, isn't the need for that disclaimer part of what we're going to end up talking it's, about? It's what I was thinking as you said that, because that's... It really is. Uh, we live in such sensitive times almost, right? Where any, it's not even anything anyone says. It's it's anything someone interprets as bad can cause such a shitstorm nowadays. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, think, I think you're right. Now, obviously, I, I have joked many times that we're, we're going to get cancelled for something that we say. And I think fundamentally not enough people listen to this nonsense for (laughs) and we're too stubborn (laughs) and we're too stubborn but sort of in order to be cancelled people have to start listening to you um but yeah the the fact that i mean cards on the table i think that there are some people who should not be given platforms i think that's entirely right yeah um but the fact that anything people say on twitter facebook reddit wherever discord 
is so subject to scrutiny makes people very hesitant to have conversations like I hope the one we're about to have. Now, that's an interesting point, actually, because so I'm fairly quiet on most social media platforms. And I think that is often because I desire to have a well-structured, well-informed, serious debate. And those platforms just don't lend themselves well to that. Because what, what you very often see, I mean, Twitter is the prime example of this, is just people literally throwing shit at each other. Yes. At the cesspit of humanity. Yes. And that's, that's counterproductive. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, hopefully our Discord server, for example, is a, a bastion against things like that because, you know, shit throwing would not be accepted and we try to encourage in there well-formed, well-structured, well-thought-out debate and discussion. And anyone who comes to a discussion like that with good intentions will be welcomed, even if you were saying that something that I don't agree with. I will tell you that I don't agree with you. And if you say something that I consider morally wrong, I will tell you that I consider it to be morally wrong. But I, it will always be about the speech. And I think that's the big difference. But we're already way off paced. We're already way off paced. But I think it is it is important. And I mean, we, we've been smart enough to give ourselves a brand new platform to have exactly these conversations. Oh, absolutely. And, and what this really is, is just massive sizzle for the episode to end all episodes where we finally have a clash about our different views on morality. Whenever we come up with a, <laughs> a way to do that. Um, um, but, but I think that's the, the beauty of all this. And sorry, we are going massively off track and I'll, I'll let you present your case in just a minute but that's all right that's the beauty of all of this right is that we're, i think we're two idiots but you know we we are familiar with each other idiocy well enough that we we can say what might objectively come across as stupid shit or perhaps misguided shit um yeah but we're sensible enough to just talk it through and then you know if, if someone is genuinely out of line which i think to our credit hasn't happened no, no i don't think so but i think I think but, but sometimes I, it's worth discussing, like towing towing the line, you know, d- discussing what what is the limit of acceptability, at least in our heads, because I mean, obviously, we can't speak for humanity as a whole as much as I try to. <laughs> um, but but these these discussions are important, I think. I think these discussions are important, and I I also think to to anyone who who listens who struggles with topics like this, topics that we might come on to. You are more than welcome to just not listen to this episode. As I said, we're... Or disagree with us. <laughs> or to disagree with us and tell us that you disagree with us. But, you know, you don't have to expose yourself to every argument that has ever been made because if you do that, you'll end up on Twitter and don't do that because Twitter's awful. But it, it's fine to just go, no, this isn't for me. Sorry, I don't agree with you. I don't want to engage with it. Bye. That's fine. Um, quite right, quite right. Um, that, that That is an interesting point about the internet in general though is that it is very tempting to cut all of that kind of noise out though i'm not not saying listen to this episode even if you're not enjoying it but you know entertain other points of view yes that's, absolutely that's what, um, that's what i do week in week out when i listen to your nonsense on 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 here well exactly it's how it's how you grow so hit me with it what what is your okay what i imagine is a hot take Let's be real. I think it, I think it, it's a mini it's a mini hot take, but it's because it's not being done as a hot take. It's being done as one of our every ten episode chats because it touches so much. 
I think there is sort of just one core issue, though. Um, I think the best way to describe that is by reference to a recent rule book released by Wizards of the Coast, who published fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, which bills itself as the world's greatest role-playing game. Now, the book in question, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, despite being the classic fifth edition smorgasbord of themeless content shoved out the door in the rush to sell nostalgia to people who didn't experience the original, contains amongst its many pages of so-called content one particularly egregious edition. And I believe it or not, I'm not actually talking about the section on Session Zero, although that can fuck right off as well. I'm talking about the character customization options that it introduced, and not just the character customization options that it introduced, but the change in character design philosophy that it heralded. But I can already hear you crutching your pearls. Sean, I hear you cry. Character customization is at the core of D&D. More options are always better. I'm afraid that I think you're just wrong. You, Vib, whoever is listening who thinks that, I, th- I think you're just wrong. But I think you're wrong for a very specific reason. And the reason that I think you're wrong, writ small, because it's, it, it's large and complicated, is that unrestricted character creation options actually produce a less good experience at the gaming table i know you disagree but very very small the reason that it's bad as i have come to understand it from reading amongst others uh the angry gm who i would suggest everyone go and read because despite the name it's a very carefully thought out blog on how to do tabletop role-playing games better the simple reason that it's wrong is that it it prevents people from engaging fully with the story in question or the game in question because they're too wrapped up in their own idea of what their character should be rather than what their character is. So taking it one step further... So, the, sorry, what, I, should, I should give a bit more context to the Tasha's rule change. The Tasha's rule change basically said... When you're building a character in Dungeons & Dragons, as you have done recently, you add ability score modifiers based on the race or species that you choose. Yes? So if you're an elf, you get plus two dexterity, plus one intelligence, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Tasha's says, or if you don't like that, choose different ability scores to increase. Choose different skills to get. Choose different weapon proficiencies to get. Just do whatever you like. Who cares? It sounds like you care. I care. I care. I care, and I I have decided that I care quite deeply about this. But just to just to instantly throw this argument at you, I mean, you literally just told people if you're not, if this is not your cup of tea, don't listen. Right, and so this rule book says you can do it this way or that way. So why do you care about? Being for, for people who may care, being given the option to do it differently. Because, for a couple of reasons. One, because it signals a change in design philosophy and races that have been released subsequent to Tasha's. As far as I understand it, I haven't bought a copy of a fifth edition rule book since before Tasha's, but as I understand it, races released after that book do not have ability score modifiers. Okay. They, they have 
plus two to one, plus two to another, plus um, one to another. And that's so, it. So, okay, so so they've been a bit disingenuous then because they've said it's not do this or that, it's do this. Well, what the, the do this or that is for pre-existing races. Yeah. So humans, elves, dwarves, tieflings, what have right, you. So, so they've gone away from assigning race-specific modifiers, but but haven't gone as far as removing them from previous races. Is that right? Well, they haven't reprinted the player's handbook to not have them. Because, okay, because they don't do that, because they're hard-copy books. Um, so they haven't come round to my house, taken my copy of the PHB, and erased the bit that says, give dwarves sure. plus two constitution, sure. or whatever. But, I, forget, but, I forget the abilities. But you, you imagine in 6th edition... Yes. They will remove those kind of bonuses. Yes, together. they will say, when building your character, um, assign your skills based on rolling dice or um, okay, yeah, sure, points by or whatever, and but, then add two to one and add one to another, and then but, but give your you character object- whatever proficiencies you want. Sure. Well, would, would, would you object to that kind of sixth edition? Like, take, let's take aside the fact that this is already an edition in existence. If they redid the whole thing from scratch as a sixth edition, would you object to them just saying, customize your character regardless yes. of race, however you want? I, I would, but I, I, I actually would. I think that that would have a massive negative impact on... I'm not sure if it would have a massive negative impact on the game. I think it would serve to make it harder to have enriching games at the table. Because... It, you start making the fantasy less fantastical, I think. Don't you? Maybe you don't, but don't you make elves pedestrian if elves are just humans, but they live forever? Don't you know dwarves are just humans, but they live underground sometimes, unless they don't. I mean, yes, but a lot of it is about just creative freedom, right? Because I, I think it, because there's, there's there's so many layers to decide with. We're never going to finish this episode. I'm just no. warning you ahead of time. But I, I think from personal experience, I would sit down and say, okay, if I want to play an elf, I'll probably want to be a character that's, you know, on average, probably a bit more intelligent, um, more wise, I guess, just by virtue of being an elf, because that's how I see elves, and I guess this is part of the problem, right? That we we associate these things with stereotypes, I guess. But I don't think that's a problem. I think that's what I take issue with. I don't no, think that's no, a problem. I, I don't I think, think it's necessarily a problem either. It's a useful trope to be able to hang things on. But, but I, I don't see the rule change getting rid of that because because people will probably still just conform to their own stereotypes. Because even now, you you could make um, you could put all the points into intelligence for an orc, and I think people would say that's that's a bit unusual. But that's not that, it's not stopping you from doing that. No, it's it's not. Um, or orcs, we might need to come on to slightly later because I think there's another there there is a there's a further issue with races like orcs that people get very very grumpy about. But set take. Um, yeah, we've, we've picked an easy fight to begin with. <laughs> I guess you know elves and humans. Well, yes and yes and no. I think it's all connected. If uh, I'm trying to work out how to word this, so there is nothing. The change doesn't change stereotypes. 
you're right. An elf is still a wise, probably tree-living, or sort of closer to the wilderness person who um, is immortal. Yeah, that's fine. But if you make it easier for players to view their characters as distinct from the races from which they were derived, those races cease to be, cease to be predictable monocultures on which you as the GM can easily hang tropes and themes making it harder to run your game well. So dwarves, take them as another example. Dwarves, as a trope, as a stereotype, are hardworking, stubborn, and probably a little bit greedy and gold-obsessed, right? Is that is that a fair characterization of the fantasy trope of dwarf? Yes. Cool. Part of that is wrapped up in all of the various things that you get as a dwarf as a player when you build a dwarf character. You it tells you your character's likely alignment. It tells you your character's likely personality traits, ideals, bonds, flaws, quirks, all hanging off those core tropes. Yes. Which means that when you meet a dwarf on the on an adventure you can expect them to be stubborn, hardworking, value labour, value things that have come from the ground, and be quite susceptible to money as a form of building their goodwill, bribery, essentially, because they have all those tropes that you can hang on them. As you start to move away from that, it becomes harder for the players to recognise how NPCs will react because they don't have these core things to hang things on. Does that make sense? Does that, does that like... Totally, yes. But this is literally the heart of the issue, right, is that uh, people can't distinguish fiction from reality anymore. Yes. Right? And, and I think it's totally no... legitimate to, to, to make up a fictional race. Dwarves are perhaps a an unfortunate one, because that is a medical condition <laughs> that that exists in our society. So that perhaps is unhelpful. But I, I get what you mean, and, and uh, you know, no, in no, no way, no one apply to, to 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 people with a medical condition. No one, uh, no one looks at Tolkien's dwarves or Warhammer Fantasy's dwarves and goes, "Ah, uh, well, sorry, twenty years ago." No one looked at Tolkien's dwarves and went, oh, that's a bit insensitive, isn't it? And and yes, maybe there could be a better name, as you say, because it's a medical condition. But no one, we didn't used to look at that and go, oh, that's an awful ableist sure. way of looking at a medical condition. Not, not for dwarves, but people, I mean, you mentioned orcs as a, as a thing we need to get onto, but I think there's a reason why that's a thing we need to get onto. Yes, because uh, that that's diving more into the the realms of racism, etc. But but before that, I, th- I think it's <laughs> should advise our listeners that to some extent, uh, Sean and I are approaching this um, debate from two very different angles. Because you're 
predominantly, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but you're predominantly a, a, a games master, right? When you play DMs. Yes. And part of uh, that is because I make a terrible, terrible player. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> but uh, And I approach this from, from someone who, who is a player. Um, and I must say, you presently, presently surprised me because I hadn't actually considered NPCs. And that's a very good argument. Uh, you know, as a player, it does help to have stereotypes in a game. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you don't want to spend 40 minutes figuring out what kind of person is you're talking to. If you can just look at them and say, this is a dwarf. And in this fictional universe we find ourselves in, these are the things I might yeah. expect. It doesn't mean that this dwarf will exactly be like that, of course. But... No, and it doesn't. It doesn't mean that every dwarf is the same. That's. I think that's the crucial thing. I think. Yeah. You know, it doesn't rule out individuality. The 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 thirteen dwarves of Thorin's company are all different. No, they're all interchangeable. What? Except for Thorin. Except for Thorin. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, the Thirteen Dwarves of the Hobbit films interchangeable. <laughs> are not not to the same degree, but they are all united uh, by common traits. No, I'm only joking. It's it's they are they are. But you have very. The reason I'm saying that is because I think there's only maybe four or five dwarves that I always remember, and the others are kind of blurry. No, that's sure, more on me. No, sure. There's 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 Thorin. There's the old one, the fat one, the good-looking one, and the Irish one. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Right, but but <laughs> <laughs> the rest and, and there's and there's Gimli's dad. Yeah. Um, but so I think yeah, in terms of NPCs from a pure game design mechanic, having this helps the the GM and ultimately will help the players. Yeah. From a player's point of view, I. I don't think it matters. Now, do I want to go as far as saying we should get rid of races altogether? I'd be all right with that if the answer, if the point was everyone should play humans. But that's not what you mean, is it? I don't know what I mean, honestly. Uh, I, I think you're right. So, so my experience from coming up with, with with characters, I think in my head, oh, what what sort of thing do I want to play? And I think uh, it'd be fun to um, to carry forward, for example, you know, be, be someone who's a bit more in touch with nature, blah blah. blah. Based on the five E uh, player handbook, I'll say that's most likely going to align with some form of elf, as you said. But I don't actually need to do that, right? I could just say I am currently an amorphous blob who is attuned with nature and uh, is wise and, and all these kind of tropes. But I could then make myself look any way I want. Yeah. Right? Because we're not a million miles away from um, from me saying I'm going to play a female character or no. I'm going to play uh, a transgender character or, or an asexual character or whatever. So why should the line be drawn at it has to be an elf, a dwarf, a human, an orc, a tiefling, or whatever. Why does it matter? Why, why can't the party just explain to the other members of the party what they see themselves looking like? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, and firstly, I completely have, I would have absolutely no problem with someone playing. Uh, do I do I mean this when I say it? I, in theory, have no problem with someone playing a character of a different gender from themselves, or indeed a transgender a transgender or intersex character or something like that. 
I would want to talk to the player and understand why for the simple reason that it that sounds like something that is quite hard to do sensitively and I would rather someone not do it than not do it sensitively but I don't think that was quite the point that you were making that's, that's, no but I mean it you know coming coming at this from the point of this is escapism it's fantasy um and, and so, someone are you a better way to escape your own reality than, than literally changing your fictional sexuality or your, so, your fictional gender yeah i, I think i think yes yeah, you can't be a dick about it but that's but that has to be the bottom line for all this discussion right that yeah. if you are fundamentally a dick nothing will change that <laughs> i think that that was a point that i was going to make later i think in defense of what i'm saying but you can make as many rule changes as you want at the end of the day assholes are going to be assholes and you can't stop them doing that unless you're going to stand at their tables and police what they do at their tables. Well, well quite, because they, they they can remove all the races, all, all the, the sort of character class definitions, etc. You can still just have a racist prick who designs a racist character and plays the game in bad faith because they are yeah. a dick. <laughs> that, that You just can't ever get around that, I think. Yeah. And I think, I think my point... And this might be coming, uh, as I said to you before, this might be coming from a position of privilege, but I don't understand why I have to change my game or explain to new players at my table why I run my game differently from the book because someone else, somewhere else, might be racist. That really irritates me. Yeah. But that comes from a position of never having had to deal with things like that so see I, I would challenge the assertion that that's what you would have to do right because I, I mean correct me if i'm wrong because you're, you're far the more experienced D um player here but the whole point is customization right if the, the reason the very reason you have a gm is because you want specific flavors of games so and I, the reason, I mean, certainly for me the reason i play is to, to play with people i know or at least, you know, friends of friends mm-hmm. who, you know, there's an element of vouching there, right? I can, I can confidently say that if you were to invite someone to a game that I don't know, that they are going to be a decent person. Yes, you're, you're reliant. So that, I think that's a very fair point. You are, from a lot of games, it's word of mouth, it's friends of friends. You're reliant upon the people that you know to behave as some sort of first line of defense against Yeah. Races yeah. assholes essentially, but I think that massively discounts the huge number of games that take place now online between people who've never met, sure. or people who respond to flyers at games clubs or hobby shops or on Reddit or on wherever. Right, so I think there is probably more play between people who have never met than perhaps you might think there is. Sure, but, but is there therefore not a good argument to be made for the game itself, the very basic element of the game, to take to, to give as much creative freedom as possible without imposing any kind of restrictions, which it sounds like they're kind of going for, right? So that is what they're going for, and I think my answer to that is no. And that brings me on to something that I share, I've shared with you before, um, which came out of uh, Northwestern University College. Ah, uh, yes, Northwestern University. Yeah. Um. So, so three people: Robin 
Hunnick, Mark LeBlanc, and Robert Zubek wrote a short paper called NDA, A Formal Approach to Game Design and Game Research. Um, and they identified essentially eight types of fun. And so you've said more than once already, the core of the game is creative expression. The core of the game is 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 character customization. It's its own unlimited freedom. Yes. That's right. So I think the problem is that's only one type of fun. Sure. That's only one type of um, way of playing the game. And I don't think that's at the core of the game that I want to run. I don't want to run a game that is entirely about the creative expression of the players at the table. If players want to sort of focus on self-expression to the sort of detriment of everything else in the game, go and write a fucking novel. Sure. But but the argument could also be go and play with someone else. Play this game with someone else. Because the rule changes aren't preventing you from doing, from playing the game the way you want to play it. They're not, but they make it harder. <sighs> do they, they? They do make it harder. They do make it harder because they, they're part of a shift that 5th edition has already shown a way away from a structured background and inherent setting to the game. So you can contrast it with 4th edition, right? So 4th edition, which was widely decried as the gamification of D&D, shipped with a built-in setting, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you wanted to play in a different setting, you could because it gave you the tools to do that. But otherwise, you were playing, I think it was called the Points of Light setting. And there were specific races that existed in that setting. There were specific gods, the... There were specific polities, and this was how they all interacted. And then you were running your game in that setting. Sure. Which is so much easier for a DM. Sure. It's so difficult to open up the player's handbook, and the first thing you see is character creation. And part of this just comes down to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons is badly designed from a a DM perspective. but Literally what I was going to (laughs) say. But... But part, but that I think that failure of design is because they're prioritizing player expression over the ease of playing the game. That's, and that's I not think, a failure, but that's not a failure of design. That is that is design. Sorry, that yes, no, and that's that's the sort of thing I would jump on someone for saying. You're right. That's not a failure of design. I personally think that that prioritization has made it harder to run a good game in fifth edition than in previous editions. See that. That's punchy. It's especially punchy given I've never played a game of Dungeons and Dragons other than in fifth edition. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, and this, well, is, I have... this is the problem. With, and maybe this is because D and D is so popular. And as you as you pointed out earlier, like you know, it's it's the self proclaimed TTRPG that you know rules everything. And it it's not self proclaimed. Market research shows that it is far yeah, away bigger than anything else. Sure, it is the course. gateway. Is the gateway drug to tabletop role playing games. That's perhaps the slightly unusual thing, right? Because my argument is going to be, yeah, sure, like Lord of the Rings is one of the most popular fantasy series out there, but that doesn't mean everyone likes it, you know. Uh, and there's many other things you can, yeah, you can do. Um, and I'll come back to my point in a minute. But for example, you know, there's there's role playing 
games that are, are in specific settings. Uh, yes, like there are. Ones, right? so, so you can do a Star Wars RPG, you can do a Lord of the Rings RPG, you can do whatever the hell you want. And in that scenario, I cannot sit down at a game with a bunch of people, you know, where we decide we're going to play a Lord of the Rings RPG and create a whole new race. Um, no. in, in fact, I can't even really play an elf that has certain characteristics because that is kind of just a bit universe breaking. And this this is perhaps sort of the, the heart of the issue here. But would would you like me to grab would you like me to grab my copy of the One Ring role playing game and tell you what races you can play while you talk? Yes, that would be fantastic. Um, because I think I think what Five E or you know is trying to do. And and uh, actually, I already think that they shouldn't really be doing this in five. They should just release release a new edition and make any changes they want to make. But what I think is happening is that they they kind of didn't like some of their previous design choices. Be that because of public backlash, um, mm-hmm. if there was any, or because of modern cancel culture. But for whatever reason, they want to change something, and and they I think want to be seen as the tabletop RPG rule book that gives you all the freedom and I, and I and i feel that that if that's what they want to go for then fair play like they they can just say go off and and run games however you see fit uh using these very you know abstract basic rules or, yeah. or go and play a completely different game altogether if you want to have restricted settings etc no i can i can see that so just very very quickly so the One Ring role-playing game focuses on Wilderland, which is the bit between the Misty Mountains and the Lonely Mountain, basically oh, yeah, yeah. down to the down to Dor and up to the Grey Mountains. So that that sort of rectangle of land, um, and you can play a Barding, a Bayornling, sorry, a Bayorning, yeah. a Dwarf of the Lonely Mountain, an Elf of Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. A Hobbit of the Shire, or a Woodman of Wilderland, and that's it. Those are the races. And there yeah, were expa- that... there were expansions that brought in, um, like Gondorians and Elves yeah. of Rivendell and and stuff like that. But the core of the game is limited to one, two, three, four, five, six races. But that's I fully it. rate that because that is set in a very specific area of a of a map that someone has created and drawn. Sure. Universe that exists now. You may have issues with the universe. That's a whole separate debate. Potentially, I don't. I love the universe, and I take it at face value for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can play a game within that. I think that's amazing, fantastic. Another example I will have for you is uh, taking off the tabletop, for example. You know, uh, you know, if you want to play Mass Effect, that is designed by people who are trying to tell a story, and it just so happens that the main character in that story is a human. And you can sure you can customize that human, and you can you can make different classes of that human, uh, different genders. You can be gay or straight. You can yeah. be good or bad. A bit abstract, but fundamentally the game is the way it is. You are a human, and that's the sandbox in which you find yourself. So I come back to the fact that I think five E or what I think should be six E is saying we will define the ultimate sandbox. Take any restrictions out. Um, and then you go nuts. Although I kind of take your point, it makes certain things very difficult, and you do kind of run the risk of just sitting at a table with five kind of poorly defined 
characters. <laughs> I, I think that I think that you've just you've just hit the nail on the head. I think that is actually my specific issue. It's that in order to run a game in what is fast becoming five point five e or six e when it comes out is likely to require so much more heavy lifting on the part of the GM to get off the ground. I would challenge that again. I, I think if you have Sorry, to in play, order to run a surely, good game, in order to but run surely a good game, if you trust your players, it's right. not. It's I not think it's true. This is. I think. I think either you say let's let's play original five e. Uh, because we can acknowledge that we're not racists, we can. But there's no there's no setting in original Five E either. There's, there's no, no but, but, there's no but, but the setting. No, but as but I think Five E, as you said, it, it makes it easy to design a character, right? And everyone kind of knows we have an elf ranger, we have a troll tank, and we have uh, some sort of I don't know. Tiefling warlock, you know, these are all fairly yeah. standardized characters, and everyone kind of knows what they're getting into, and I think that's totally fine. But I think if you have competent players, you can just say, okay, none of these original things apply. Make your characters, make sure they're fleshed out and actually evocative, and somewhat make sense, and then talk to your GM. But aren't you aren't you going to run the risk of massive, um? theme or thematic clash there. What, such as playing in a universe that doesn't contain any gnomes in it? That's not a thematic clash, that's just sensible culling. Um, no, but but I think that's the discussion you can have before... Yeah, you're, you're gnomist, by the way. Just, just I, I am. I just, I, I just am. We'll the fuckers to need to get out of everything. <laughs> we'll come back to that. No, but I, but I think... Sure, but I mean, as a GM, right, you don't just one day say, I want to run a campaign... Um, I'm going to line five players. I'm just going to say go nuts, right? No. You're going to say something like, "I want to. I've got this idea for a campaign in mind. Um, I, I have a kind of setting-ish. Um, maybe create, uh, give a go, have a go at creating some characters, uh, and then we'll see what we come back with, right? And it's it's not then that those five players go away and and just do whatever the hell they want without any repercussions, right? If all five come back to you and said, uh, "We've all made." you know, seven foot tall tanks. You know, everyone's sensible enough to have a discussion about that and change that, right? So, so, I, so I, I don't think freedom is the issue here. I, I think it's it's about rethinking how you set up the game. I think that... I think that you're... To a degree, you're right. I think that freedom is more of an issue than you're making it out to be. But I think spe- the specific point is the making it too easy to play no that's not quite right but i'm going to say anyway making it too easy to play a character that runs counter to tropes which is in and of itself fine okay frodo is a character that runs counter to tropes because Frodo and Bilbo both are, or not to try to stereotype is a better way of putting it. Because the stereotypical hobbit is fat, lazy, uh, likes the ho- likes home comforts, and doesn't really want to leave home. Which is true of Frodo and Bilbo until they're faced with the call to adventure and they they respond to the call to adventure. So they are atypical hobbits, but that their atypicalness 
only works when contrasted to the stereotype. And if we do away with stereotypes, it becomes harder to play against them. And that's why I think the stereotypes and the, the, the coming back to what I was saying right at the start, that's why I think things like racial ability modifiers are so valuable because they give you an average, they give you a base point because every, every commoner in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons every human commoner has 10s down the line right? they have 10 strength, 10 dexterity 10 wisdom, 10 constitution 10 intelligence, 10 charisma which means that you can baseline your party to that and also it means that if we take the racial ability modifiers into account on average an elf is more dexterous and more intelligent than a human but less strong and less constitution e and probably less charismatic because that's how the ability score modifiers pan out and because you've got those averages, you've got that baseline of human commoner 10 down the line, it then enables you to understand how your character sits in the world better, doesn't it? I suppose. So something I've often thought is, is the, the problem with all of this is the inclusion of human races in these kind of games. Um, I think that actually overcomplicates a lot of things. Sorry, what do you mean by hu hu human... Uh, part of the problem, I'm not sure that it's actually a problem, but is that the terminology is so lacking because race has a specific meaning in our world and then it has a different meaning when you apply it to tabletop role-playing games. So when is you saying the problem is that you can play as a human? Yes, yes. I think, I think that's partly the problem because there is not a person on Earth who can't, who doesn't start anything by thinking first, I am a human and that is my baseline. <laughs> but you see, I think that's incredibly valuable because, because uh, no, I you don't have that baseline. Ah, uh, see, this is the problem with this debate. That's why I've been dreading it so much because I, I just, I just don't really know where I stand. And I think that's that. <laughs> this is the point that I was really, really hoping that we would get to before we crossed the hour mark. So I'm glad that we have. That's the point. I think that's actually the core. I don't exactly know where I stand on this either. I think I know better than you do where I stand. I think I feel about it more strongly than you do. But I'm willing to have someone tell me that I'm wrong. Well, my 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 thinking for why you feel more strongly is because you're a very rigid individual. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's only I'm because I'm... You offline of lacking any sort of imagination and creativity. And, yes, and which... I think that's, that's reflected in your games. That's rude. <laughs> no, it is a bit rude. Given no, that you're currently playing in one of my games. <laughs> I know. I'm going to die, aren't I? Uh, a horrible, horrible death. Uh, no, no uh, you're just going to be uh, nothing but, guess, but stereotypes. No, but I, I think this discussion has helped me kind of see why that, that kind of is. Because what it does do very well, and this is a compliment, I know they're rare, uh, it, it does make the world feel very alive and very real and very... Exactly. Because you know where you stand. It's immensely annoying not being able to play four gnomes in a trench coat, um, and I will forever dislike you for it. But oh, fair. Uh, 
but, but, Toddler, yeah. toddlers dislike their parents when they make them eat vegetables. It's still better for sure. them than the chocolate they want. Sure. But fundamentally, what we can't get away from is that that's a very specific game, right? That's a game that you're running, I'm playing yeah. in, and the people that we all know and like. Yes. Aside from you. No, fair. I, but I do think that the general rule set should allow people to do whatever the hell they want, right? These are not rules written for, for Sean. These are rules written for the people, and they're trying their very best, I think, to keep in touch with the with the zeitgeist. But isn't the zeitgeist just wrong? That's a much bigger debate, and I think it is and it isn't. My argument for this sort of thing is always that you need to kind of hyperpolarize in order to repolarize. Okay, so force force everyone to the extremes to work out where the middle is. Yes, I think so. If if you want to move the bar, you have to move it a lot, and then it'll re-equilibrate slightly different to where it was. Isn't that how we got World War Two though? Sure, and if I really want us to get cancelled, I would say that many, many positive things have happened subsequent to World War Two having happened. Many, many terrible, atrocious things happened during the war, don't get me wrong. Um, and obviously... <laughs> In case that needed saying. And obviously like, a lot of people suffered immensely and, uh, you know, a lot of peoples yeah. suffered much more than others and that is an atrocity that cannot even be put into words, at least of all by uh, an ineloquent gobshite like me. Uh, but we can't... We can't say that if if it hadn't happened, we'd be in a better place now. No, that's not what all, all I can say is that, to some extent, we I think collectively as a United Nations <laughs> came together and said, "Well, this can't ever happen again. How do we try and stop that from happening again?" And you know, at least in terms of, for example, the European Union, yeah, it's been relatively successful, and we've grown for the better off the back of those horrible things. Sure, you know, um, hyperpolarized, repolarized in a better, better position. And again, we always have to preface this: we we're talking from a, a position of extreme privilege and having suffered no hardships whatsoever in, in certainly not in my life. Um, but I, I, you know, I can't get away from that. No, I think I, I think that's very that's a very important point to make. Yes, we're both speaking from a point of privilege and we need to be aware of that privilege when we speak. But we also, we still have opinions. It's not, and, and yes. that lack of, that lack of hardship or, you know, lack of equivalent hardship isn't sort of our fault, which makes it sound very much, oh, woe is me, wasn't my life so difficult. But it doesn't change our opinions. It just means we need to be conscious of listening to people whose privilege or lack thereof is different from ours exactly yes and, and i guess my point is yes 100 percent of the time would we prefer to avoid world war ii absolutely there's, there's no argument for me there whatsoever um, but that's not to say that you know 10 years later you wouldn't have had you know, something similar or worse or no you know, and, and you're you're right that it did move the needle on um sort of the balance of, of world power. That's absolutely true. And the balance of where um, what we thought correct forms of leadership were and yeah. things like that. And perhaps that was driven by, as you said, hyperpolarization. But well, bringing extreme it back example, to right? fun. <laughs> fun, yes. What's that? What is fun? Sixth edition. Sixth edition. 
so 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 just to recap so, so am i right in thinking that you you more or less are taking exceptions specifically to the changes to 5e right you are not mm-hmm. objecting to any sort of role-playing game that 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 maybe throws all the rules out the window, right? If um, I were to decide one, uh, I can't actually name an example, but the, the fate. you're looking fate. for fate. Yeah. Okay. Um, or Genesis or something like that. A generic system yes. that gives you the tools to build um, a game, essentially, rather than D and D, which is a game. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, right. A world in which I can play a blue alien with three legs and no arms, and no, who I, knows I, what that's going to mean? I have no idea. But I don't. I don't, have, I don't have. I don't have a problem with that specifically, but I would still have a problem with. I would still have a problem with an attempt to. So say we're sitting down to play a game, and I have of of fate or Genesis or whatever it might be, and I have come up with a bunch of races for a space traveling game for you guys to pick from. But, see, right, but, but then you but then you've already created races. But that's but that's the part of the GM is to build the world for the characters to play in. That includes building races. That's just a necessary component of the, of being a GM. Or I even if I work with you, right? And between us we come up with this race of blue three-legged no-armed aliens. And I would say, okay, what are their core characteristics? What are they like? What are they not like? Yada yada yada. And then at the end if you go, okay, but I'm I want to play as one of them, but I want to be weird. I want to be different from them. I want to be my own special little snowflake, essentially. That I think is where I start to have a problem again. Yes, but I think this is the root issue here: is that that's just not a game that you want to play, and I think that's totally fine. It's not. It's it's, it's not a game I want to play, but I want. <sighs> You, you you are free to create whatever games and worlds that you choose fit. I, and I and I instinctively I, no, I, agree I, I, with you. I, I, it's coming across maybe as I'm not, but I, no, I much you prefer are, you are, five years, right? I know what my elves are like, I know what my orcs are like, etc. You're absolutely right. Lot, but that shouldn't mean that other people you know, need to stick to, to what what tropes we think should apply no no no, no. And, and 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 that is absolutely right that that is absolutely right what actually happens at anyone else's table is no concern of mine that is absolutely true so why are they policing what happens at my table that's but my they're, but, they're, but they're not because by removing those because then they're not removing the mechanics they're just making them more ambiguous Right, you you can insist on keeping those mechanics no, but, in your game, but, but it moves it moves the needle on player expectation. And you guys are different because you're a bunch of people who've never played role playing games or have played very limited ones or only ones that I've run. So that's fine. You people, you see what I'm working with here? The, <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't want to just out people on the air as being as nerdy as you are. But you know, you know what I mean. So. Thanks for protecting my dignity, I suppose. <laughs> Can't protect something that never existed. It's true. Um, That's true. I feel like I'm scrabbling at a point here and I can't quite reach it. That's really frustrating me. I, I, I think I know what point you're trying to scrabble to, but I also don't know how to express it. It's it's really... I, I, I understand totally where you're coming from. 
if, I, think, I think you shouldn't be coming from there. If I were to, thank you, if I were to Not run up. a game for a bunch of, in say, 10 years down the line, 6th edition came out five years ago, if I were to run a game for a bunch of people, some of whom have played with me, some of whom haven't, but have played 6th edition, which is this rubbish, generic fantasy, throw everything, including the kitchen sink at the wall, and everything sticks. And I say, okay, the game that I want to run is trope-heavy, stereotype-heavy, elves are otherworldly, ethereal beings, or ethereal-adjacent beings who live in forests and are clinging to the vestiges of their lost empire. And someone says, okay, can I be a dwarf raised by elves? And I say, no. I don't want to be told that I'm ruining fun. I just want people to... But that is that is your that is where you're an expert though. I, I refer back to the four gnomes in a trench coat. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, no, I, I, no, no, I, say that, I say that fun. facetiously. No, 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 what no, no, I mean by that no, is no. Even, even in the current system, right? Um, so take the campaign that you're running uh, at the moment. It's not like I just made my character rocked up on the first day and then, you know, played. No, uh, I created a character. I, I, I said to you, "Here's my character sheet." Uh, you know, what do you have? Whatever mind, and, and it's an organic discussion. And, and it, is, it is an organic discussion, but if you move the needle on player expectations in favor of unrestricted character creation and unrestricted customization within character creation, you change the balance of conversations you that do. players and GMs have. So if someone had come to me with the Tasha's rules, and said, I want to play an elf barbarian who, and in order to make that work, I'm putting plus two into strength and plus one into constitution. I'd say, well, why do you want to be an elf? Because those aren't elf traits. So what is it about being an elf that makes you want to pick that race as opposed to any other race? Why not be a half-orc barbarian? They want to be want... Strongbow, you know? Maybe they want to be Belek Strongbow or or whatever, but play. I don't. It it, it all smacks of having your cake and eating it as well. It, it, it uh, I, I I get that I get that, but there is ultimately nothing stopping you, right? From you know, say say I level up twenty times, and I'm playing an elf, and I put yeah. all the points I gain from leveling up into strength. There is nothing as a GM surely from stopping you stop. No. Because that's how you've grown in your adventure. Yes. So why 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 is that acceptable? But starting off like that is not. Because at the start of an adventure, you are absolutely fecking no one. Sure. You haven't but, done but all, anything. All I'm going off is I see myself as an elf, or I see myself as a dwarf. Um, but you but don't. I kind of like to be strong. But you sure? So you can. The, the way that the standard array of points by, or even 4d6 drop three, uh, sorry, 4d6 drop the lowest works, is you see the skills that you have, the, the points that you have, and then you assign them to ability scores as you want. There's nothing stopping you assigning a 15 to strength as an elf, right? And having that as your higher, highest characteristic. But I, I would never stop someone doing that. But why do you then want to be able to add these extra traits 
add this plus two to your strength or or whatever. I, I don't know. It it just it just irritates me. It irritates me no end. And I think that what I said there, having your cake and eating it too. I want to play an elf for some undefinable reason, but I don't want to deal with the fact that an elf isn't a good barbarian, even though I also want to be a barbarian. No, but but that that's surely very individual, right? If 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 I want to play an elf for no other reason that I think they're quite tall and have pointy ears. Yeah. Isn't that enough? And then say, yeah, but I'm I'm unusually strong. That's where your fifteen comes from. Compared to compared to So so what I guess what I should ask as well. So obviously the stats are one thing. Are they also changing things like, for example, elves having dark vision? So I'm not certain. I, I, I don't own Tasha's. I got some, I, I checked. Because at that point, I think I would agree with you that then then what's the point? of? I think it? they are. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, let me actually, I don't know how to check that quickly while we're on air. Um, I, I, they might be, they might not be. But what they are changing, for example, so if you're a, a high elf, you get proficiency in longswords and longbows. Unless you don't want that and you want proficiency in some other weapon instead, in which case you can just yeah. pick that instead. And that, again... Uh, it, it, it all just comes back to it, it being an organic process, to, very specific to the group of people playing. And you always have to compromise, and maybe that's the lesson in all this. Is it's just yeah, no, you do, you do, you do. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that. And I'm right, not saying have a have a a process where you just declare things and then walk away. That's not right. But I, I get frustrated, and then you know, an hour into the episode, I get frustrated, and I, this is this is this is my fault. But if you go onto discussion forums about games of Dungeons and Dragons. Or any other any tabletop role playing game really, and see people saying, "Oh, I've banned X Y Z X Y Z race because I don't like the fact that wizards put a racist race into the um into the game." And the obvious, I'm not sure it's obvious, but I don't use orcs in my game because that's they're just racist. Like, yeah, no, but that, that's, that's on them. That's not Minsaw Wesley. That's on them. If they think there is a racist game, a racist race, my goodness, in this game. But it all that's feels on connected. Them. That's interpreting. That's their interpretation. Yeah. In my opinion. No, and, and in mine. But it all feels connected somehow. It, it, it does, but I think the only bottom line really is here is there are some parties that I think just wouldn't work. Right, if if I came to you and designed an overly powerful elf who's raised by dwarves, um, who uh, loves orcs and has bright blue hair, and I think that that's all of these things are my line in the sand, and for you, they're they're just not. There's no getting around that, I think. You have to kind of agree on what universe you want to play in. And, and ultimately, I think we do agree because we have... We're, just, we're more or less the same age. We we like all the same fantasies. And, and I think you just have to accept that fact, you know? Yeah. I, I no. wouldn't dream of, of, of creating an elf who has bright blue hair. 
Um, and that A doesn't mean that I don't want people in real life to have bright blue hair, because that's a totally absurd comparison to make. You know, it's not real life fundamentally. Um, and and B, that's just no, I can I couldn't handle that in in the universe that I want this this game to play in, and that's fundamentally what it is, right? We all have to just sit down as parties and kind of not take the piss. Maybe, maybe it really is as simple as that. It's the same, I think, as as you know, uh, you might play Mass Effect and say, oh, you know, I really don't like this universe very much. Fine, stop playing Mass Effect. Simple solution: play something else instead. But- and we all yeah. make that decision all the time. I, and, and, and maybe five E should be any different. So. But maybe, may, but maybe this is actually coming back to the core of my complaint because I, I think I agree with you. You know, if if you don't like the core, the way the core races in fifth edition or any indeed tabletop role playing game are designed, you're freely at liberty to to redesign them, and that goes both for people who don't like the racial ability score modifiers and people like me who do but my frustration i think is much more that the balance has shifted away from here are the racial ability score modifiers and if you don't like them change them to there are none put the points wherever you want it's it's a nuance but i i i get what you're saying yeah I think I think that's the, it, it is a nuanced distinction, but so it is the, I think the rhetoric is you shouldn't attribute yes to races, right? Yes, and if you do have if you mandate and 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 then where the rhetoric gets poisonous is if you mandate racial ability score modifiers, you are racist or yeah. you are a bad yeah. person. And you know if someone can make a non-screaming loon argument to me as to why that's the case and why my doing it at my table harms them elsewhere then i will listen to them but fundamentally the an, an elf in my game is just an elf in my game it's yeah. not an analog for anything else nor is an orc nor is a werewolf nor is a vampire nor is anything well that's not quite true vampires and werewolves are bad examples because they are analogs for the human condition um crap goblins or Dragon. No, dragons are analogs as well. Bugger. <laughs> You're not very good at this, are you? Well, the problem is a lot of, a lot of monster a lot of monsters are actually analogs for elements of the human condition. But they're elements of the human condition. They're not analogs for races. So werewolves embody the sort of rage that we all worry that we carry within ourselves. Vampires are the sort of giving into our own hedonistic desires that so terrified Victorian Britain, right? No one looks at a werewolf and goes, oh, that's racist. So why do we look at orcs that way? Is it just because there's more of them? No, I I, I fully agree with you. If, if the rhetoric literally is, if you choose to run your game in this particular way, then you are a racist and, you know, shame I, on you. That, that is wrong that is it's, it's way hyperpolarized <laughs> it's 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 something of a straw man because no, you know no one no one here is making that argument but it is an argument that i have seen made it's the subtext yeah it's, it's the arguments you see on twitter and reddit it's sure. the arguments you see on twitter and, and reddit um, absolutely but again they're, they're yeah that's one thing 
but fundamentally, it, as I say, it comes back to to, to being organic and, and gelling with the people you play with. What, what I think we should talk about a little bit is sort of the reason we came onto this topic in the first place, which was a very specific example of how the rule set made you angry. And it's one where I do think we actually disagreed slightly. Can you, and you mentioned it earlier, actually, can you have a chaotic evil paladin as a character class? In 5th edition as written, yes. And do you like the fact that that can be a thing? No, I think that is fundamentally a, fundamentally bad for the game. See that 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 because... is a punchy statement. Oh goodness! I know. I, I I'm not <laughs> I'm not mincing my words today. Do you think it's a good thing? I don't see it as an issue. Okay, that's I. I don't see it as an issue. Is probably the best way of putting it. Maybe a maybe a better way of looking at it is take a cleric, for example, so a priest of a god. Can you be a priest of a chaotic evil god without yourself being at least evil or chaotic? Well, isn't that the fun of the campaign, to figure that out? Talk about dodging questions, eh? That, that was well ducked. I, I, I'm genuinely <laughs> impressed. <laughs> No, I, but those, but I think those are the questions that I, that I, for example, play D and D for. Um, you may or may not have realised that in game, probably you haven't, because I'm a terrible, terrible player. But those are the kind of interesting things that I'm hoping would organically come to the fore in, in campaigns. You know, maybe is this character actually this character? Is there something more? that the character itself maybe doesn't quite understand yet or uh, and, things that happen to that character that make it, you know. And that is a very promising thing to to hear because it implies that you turn up at the table with an idea of how, who your character is now, but not who your character is tomorrow, which is the essence of role-playing. Um, yes, and, and literally everything is designed to antagonise you. As yeah. And it's about how your character reacts to situations and is changed by them. And if your character doesn't react to situations and isn't changed by them, you're not playing a character. You're you're not role playing a character. You're acting. Yes. Um, yes. And I, I think that's ultimately what what we're here for. Yes. But my so my point as it relates to paladins is a very specific point. But oh, it, usually, yeah. it, it is one of I think general applicability, which is that a paladin, the word paladin carries in our world specific connotations of essentially an a holy warrior and essentially a, a chivalric knight, right? So in a world where being a, a chivalric knight grants you magical power, which is the world of D&D, in order to maintain that magical power, you have to continue to be a chivalric knight. Now, I completely take the point that, well, what if the power came from elsewhere? Which I guess is your point. You what if the power isn't from being a chivalric knight? What if it's just from some other source and chivalric knights and dread knights and... Chaotic knights can all tap into that power in the same way, but yes, yes and no. There's maybe also just a, a difference in understanding the definition of chaotic evil, for example. But 
yeah, go on. <laughs> well, I, we could we could we could have a whole other discussion about the benefits of an alignment system. Um, but I think we're both on the same, vaguely the same page there that an alignment system is is a good thing. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's very much open to interpretation. Is is kind of the problem with a lot of these things? Sure, but because your your good and my good may not be the same things, you know. No, but in in a world where gods are real, there is there there can be an objective definition of good. It may not be one sure. that is shared by the players, but it's sure. one that can be set by the DM. But but this I think is part of the problem with this this massive discussion that we're having. Right, there's so many levels of all this, right? Because we can talk about the race, we can talk mm-hmm. about the um, character traits, the specializations, their alignments, their faith, whatever. There's so many different layers and all these things have slightly different answers. So I think that the problem... I don't think that it should be possible to play as a paladin or a cleric or a druid or a warlock. Any of these sort of classes whose powers are external to themselves without having to deal with the hang-ups of receiving power from another source. Wizards can be whatever the heck they want. Fighters, whatever you want. Rogues, whatever you want. If you want to be a druid, your power comes from nature, he says while waving his arms around. And therefore, you have to deal with the fact that that is where your power comes from. If you want to be a cleric, your your power comes from a god. And therefore, you have to deal with the fact that that is where your power comes from. And that places limits on your power. Ditto paladin, but worse. And that's where I lose you. Ditto paladin, but I think we were just arguing about paladins. Maybe this, this whole thing is about us not agreeing on what a paladin is. I think my example for it, for this is I was going to say my example for example, Warhammer forty k, right? Think of the Primarchs. Wow, In my head, okay. those guys are a kind of like paladins, right? They have such unshatterable, you know. I guess in thirty k, they have such unshatterable faith in the Emperor and in humanity that they perform amazing deeds to sort of perpetuate this ideal. Yeah, this is where you and I differ because there's only like one and a half of the palad of the Primarchs that are paladins, from my perspective. Okay, so who 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 is the paladin in your opinion? Sanguinius definitely, probably Sanguinius. also Dorn. <sighs> yeah, that's that, and I think that that I, might, I think I think it's a we bit should boring. have had this conversation before coming on. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think this is a bit broader though because uh, t- to me they're all kind of paladins and, well, and and some of them get corrupted and i think the concept of like a corrupted paladin is so interesting i don't i don't have a problem with the concept of a corrupted paladin i don't want someone playing one at my table i'm more than happy to play, have someone play a paladin who is going through temptation and struggling oh, with yeah, temptation perhaps. Perhaps that's a better way of saying it but but ultimately you can't struggle with temptation if the only possible outcome is to not eventually succumb right no but but i don't have a problem with a paladin who eventually succumbs but at that point they cease to be a paladin and become something else they might be a fallen paladin they might be an oathbreaker or whatever it is but but i think someone who starts off as no sorry a paladin who would go through these things cannot possibly start off as a lawful um good paladin arthas does 
Arthur starts as lawful good. Lawful good, but hot-headed. And you play through his fall. And his fall is compelling because of where he starts. It but is I not think, compelling. But, but, I, I, but I think you should be able to start with... Um, maybe not chaotic evil. Maybe that, that's too much of a... A yeah, I also don't think that any paladin can be chaotic, but yeah, it, it may, yeah, chaotic is maybe a bad example, but, but I lawful think good to lawful evil, maybe. like you know, or by way, yeah, evil sort of thing. You know, the the monster that is inside all of us, as you said, with, with regards to the werewolf. I think why can't that be something explored in the context of a paladin? It can be, it can be, and I think part of the problem here is that we don't have a common lexicon for talking about. Um, what, a paladin is. <laughs> what a paladin is or how alignment works I don't have a problem with a paladin who is trying to be lawful good but struggles because living up to the ideals of a paladin is very difficult that is a brilliant character and a brilliant story I just don't want someone who writes paladin on their character sheet and then goes around and plays like an asshole and that's that's yeah, a wider no that. no, that's no. a that's a wider problem of I just don't want assholes, but like, I but but, but I, the way I that I see it in my head is right. You have a paladin, and everyone in the party expects him to be you know the classic paladin. Yeah, but then they sometimes make decisions that people go, hmm, that, that's that's a weird one. Yeah, um, and as long as the character maybe also sometimes thinks in retrospect like, oh, that was a weird decision. For me sure, right. But but this but this is because. Alignment for player characters is not absolute. You don't write lawful, and this is this 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 is an issue with talking about things like alignment on the internet. But you know, if you write lawful good on your character sheet, that doesn't tell that never tells you how you should behave. No, and that is a description yeah, of the way that your character tries to live, in my view. Yeah, see, see, I, I don't think I'm a huge fan of of a starting alignment, if that makes sense. It's. I think it's more natural to kind of just figure that out as you as you go along. Fair enough. I I, I uh, can sort of. I'm bad at role playing. No, I, I, possible, but... I, I I think I don't think that that means makes you bad at role playing. I think I don't think that the phrase "bad at role playing" really means anything. Certainly not in the way that people use it. No, but... no. But as in, it, it's sometimes harder, I think, to impose um, a restriction. But alignment should never be alignment itself should never be restrictive. You should never not do something because I oh well no that's not correct. You should never be prevented from doing something because you've got lawful good written on your character sheet. You might after you do the thing no longer have lawful good written on your character sheet. That's very different. Yes. No. Okay. Fair enough. We can agree on that. We can agree on that. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately then, to, to try and sum up this... I, I was about to say... Because uh, it, it sounds like someone's um, complaining over your end. Yeah, I might, need to, <laughs> I might need to wrap this up. So your time is running out. I, I, I think... Yeah, play with the people you want to play with, ultimately. And that, yes, I get that that's a very difficult concept if you're online. And mm-hmm. I fully agree with you, and it's something I hadn't considered. So well done, you. That's That's actually first time you've ever made me think um from an npc point of view it really helps to have well-defined tropes that's yes. a really good argument 
Um, and I also agree with you on the fact that if their rhetoric really is, we are changing this because if we don't change this and you play according to these tropes, then you are a racist. That That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> to, to be completely clear, I don't believe that that is the rhetoric from Wizards of the Coast. I think that the no, change that's the is... That I think the change is in response to rhetoric like that from vocal small parts of the community, yeah. including people who don't play tabletop role-playing games and get angry about people who don't play them in the way that they wish they would be played. Yes. But these are the same people who, who proclaim themselves to be feminists or whatnot online who just have such vile rhetoric that they're not helping anyone's case. You know, there is a way in which to affect change. And this is not it, in my opinion. Yes. By all means, hyperpolarize, but, you know, don't don't become the very thing you're trying to fight. <laughs> Just a different brand of it, you know? No, I think that's right. Uh, I think, say it quietly, but we may have avoided being cancelled. I, I think we might have done, and I've feel slightly worried that that's because I didn't make my case well, because I feel like in order to make my case well, I probably should have at least run that risk, but never mind. Well, we can revisit it, because ultimately, if if people really want to cancel us, we can use that very short burst in traffic. Oh, that's very true. Right? Because whenever, obviously, whenever you're cancelled for being very right-wing, you then receive a massive platform from which exactly. to proclaim the fact that you've been cancelled. Exactly. Controversy breeds success. Does. <laughs> but I think this I think this is one... We're, we're, we're about to wrap up, but I think this is one where actually we would really benefit from some feedback. So if you've made it to the end of this episode... And, uh, and either one of us has said something that you disagree with. First, as I said right at the start, we came from a perspective of trying to understand things. So if your takeaway was that you are offended by something that we said, okay, sorry. But, uh, I, I don't think I'd even be be sorry unless you can. Sorry, no, that was a very that was a very tongue in cheek. Sorry, that probably hasn't yeah, come. Across. No, I get I get that, but I just want to make it absolutely crystal clear that uh, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> if I said if we said something that actually hurt you, then I think we apologize for that. If you are offended on behalf of someone else, go fuck yourself. But but, but yeah, but if it, if it genuinely is something that has caused offense and hurt, but please um, educate. But, us but that was going to be yeah. that was exactly what I was going to say. Please tell yeah. us before going on Twitter and yelling at us. Please tell us what it was, because it might be that there is a perspective we just haven't considered because it has never occurred to us. And if that's brought to our attention, then we will do. And we will. You can do it by yelling at us on, on Twitter. I think that's not unreasonable. But sure, just. We're here to learn, right? That's we're here to learn. The point we're here of to life is to um, learn and improve. We, we would like everyone to, to approach learning like we do. Yes, and just go into it knowing with the fact that we are right and you're all wrong. <laughs> I'm I'm trying really hard here to to be nice to people and you're just not and it's great. Get fucked people, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thanks very much for listening to this extra long episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know 
rate the podcast and leave us a comment or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com or come join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. We'll be back in two weeks' time uh, when we'll break down every Marvel Cinematic Universe film ever made. Yes, that includes The Incredible Hulk. And we'll be ranking them by tier. Join us then for more nonsense. <laughs>